Poets and Lunatics. I'm James Pinello. And my name is Jesse Lee Yarbrough. And this is episode five, mm-hmm. part two of Villains. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Sweet. Oh, we should, at this point, I forgot uh, last episode, we should give a shout out to Casey Coyo, um, who is, I still don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Anyway, that's okay. I'm, the only thing I'm going to do with it is record it and put it all over the internet. Anyway, um, Casey, if you're out there listening, we miss and love you very much, and uh, we look forward to when you're back. So, Casey, he's still out. I can't wait. I think uh, next week. Next week. Next week, we're gonna, he's, we're going to have him. Cool. And all of you, our listeners, will be so happy to have him back because it's going to be a greater show with him. Yeah, so. it's very true. Awesome. All right. Well, let's jump right into villains. All right. I think uh, one of the interesting things you and I, uh, most interesting things you and I were mentioning was how a good villain is really just a distorted picture of the protagonist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We we, we were having a conversation and I had mentioned that um, a lot of villains, I think, um, when I'm, I mean, I had a big complaint about one of the movies we recently saw. Um, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, I just didn't care about the villain, you know. Same with Dawn of Justice. Um, I, I think that the villains didn't have. Um, you put it a, a good way, diametric opposition to the protagonist. Whereas, you know, when I think of a good um, protagonist antagonist story, I might think of instead of Batman versus you know some bank robber, Batman versus somebody who's like anti-Batman, you know. Batman has these this set of rules and this, these laws that he goes by. Um, you know, in, in Christopher Nolan's depiction of the Joker, you know, the Joker is one side of, of sort of an anti-Batman. He's chaos, you know, which is mm-hmm. everything that Batman stands against, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, I like the way you put that. Diametrically opposed. Well, yeah, it's it's... It's what's needed for conflict. Right. I mean, what, what conflict is, is there's two characters who have uh, wants and needs that, for reasons perhaps beyond their control or beyond the, the scope of that character, they're not going to let go. Mm-hmm. And these wants and needs throw them directly against each other. Mm-hmm. And there's never at any point where they could say, oh, this isn't worth it, and we're going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Because then the conflict wouldn't be high enough. Right. It wouldn't be true enough. Right, it wouldn't right, right, be right, interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. In in Suicide Squad, they, were, they like in the movie. There's that one chance where they could walk into a bar and not do anything mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And sure, it might have been an interesting scene of them walking into a bar. But that's it's a, a little microcosm of why the movie doesn't work right. because they could just be like, ah, hell with it. I'm yeah. not I'm not doing it anymore. Right. Right, and, and so of course there's not going to be any conflict if the characters can just shrug their shoulders and walk away. Yeah, and exactly. I, I still don't, it's still not really clear why they didn't walk away. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, they, I mean, they walked out of the bar and kept on going when mm-hmm. really there was one character that was well well defined, Will Smith's character that yeah. seemed well defined enough to be okay. This is why he's doing it, right. even though I'm not sure I completely bought it because. I guess I could buy it, but I, yeah. I don't want to give it away. But I, right. it's just it, none of them were none of the conflict was was uh, character defining. Right, I would agree with that. Yeah, and and then the villain to me had I didn't really get that they were a villain for quite a while. I didn't see that as there's you know it, spoiler alert by the way for anybody who hasn't seen some of these movies. Um, 
Is it okay if I talk about it? Sure. Okay. So one of the things that I, I was kind of griping about was the fact that when the, um, there's sort of two villains in this siblings, you know, there's sort of these powerful beings from long ago. When they're rattling off the introductions in the, on the protagonist list, you know, when they're going through the introductions of protagonists, you know, you see the FBI agent giving these debriefings on each of the characters. And one of the villains was in that debriefing. It was in the same, you know, um, time when they were talking about the guy who's the crocodile guy and then mm-hmm. Deadshot and all this stuff. Um, so I wasn't really... I just thought she was going to be one of the heroes. Yeah. I, well, I won't say heroes because Suicide Squad. Protagonist. Yeah, one of the protagonists. Yeah. I wasn't sure. And then later it got defined that she was the actual villain. So to me, like a villain um, is somebody who you know is a villain. Like the second they get on screen, you're like, this person is a badass and they're here to kick some ass. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you know exactly. Dun, he knows where I'm going dun, with this, folks. My favorite villain of all time. Also my favorite protagonist. Um Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. If you, just anybody take a look at the introduction to the very first Star Wars movie. Even before Darth Vader gets on the scene, everything is set up to where you know what the stakes are. Something There's, really bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, even before that, with the, the scene with the ships, there's a yeah. very small ship being chased by a very large ship that's like out to overpower it, you know, and you could tell that, okay, one of those is a rebel and the, like some, there's some sort of conflict and one person is like way bigger and badder and, and really wants to do damage. So, and when you see Darth Vader enter, first of all, he's taller than everybody and he's dressed all in black and he has a kick-ass helmet. You can't, there's mystery there. You can't see his face and he's totally ruthless. He's completely ruthless. He picks one of the dudes up you know, and he just like grabs him by the throat and then he throws him and he's, he's like towering over everybody else in the room, especially Leia. When you see his interactions with Leia, I never realized that until somebody pointed out to me how short she actually is in comparison specifically to Darth Vader. Cause there's not many times when the two of them are standing next to each other in the entire no. old trilogy. No. But when you see him in that moment, you're like, geez, this is a big dude, you know, <laughs> Leia's in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, so uh, I just his his opening scene, like you can tell exactly who the bad guy is, you know, and what his motivations are. It's made very clear in that movie. It sets it up so perfectly. It does. I mean, when I was a kid, I had nightmares about Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was he was scary. He was big. Mm-hmm. He was black. He like this dark creature, a demon sort of shadow figure sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like something out of nightmares. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. With those big eyes that just, yeah, like you felt like they were a mirror of the black parts of my soul. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 frightening that walking through with that cape, but at the same time, he was so. Uh, I couldn't take my eyes off this right. guy right, 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 in right. every single scene. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's something about a villain where. We, it's like John was talking about, he was, they don't play by the rules. Right. And so the fact that they don't play by the rules, it's like, well, we don't know what to do, but at the same time, this is so different. Mm-hmm. What, what, tell, what, what is this guy? And Darth Vader played that perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's just played upon all the little fears that I have inside me. Right. 
Yeah, totally. Totally. But at the same time, he's the perfect distortion of someone like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And they played that so perfectly when they go down in the cave in episode five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Where they're showing... Diametric opposition. Exactly. But, uh, but just by one degree or two degrees of separation, mm-hmm. they could be the same person. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, that's something that uh, G.K. Chesterton talks about in Orthodoxy in one of the later chapters, how the Christian, or the, specifically uh, Chesterton being the Catholic, was speaking to the Catholics, saying, but for, we're, we're walking on the edge of a knife. Mm-hmm. And one little slip, and we become what we're trying to fight against. Right. And right. that's exactly what Darth Vader is an example of. Right, right. Yeah, he also, the one quote I really love of his is, there is uh, many ways in which, many angles at which a man can fall down, but only one in which he stands upright. Mm. So, Where's that from? Uh, that's a good question. It was quoted off of, uh, I was... Peter Kreeft quoted he him, did. so he, yeah. did, he didn't cite the work. I'll, I'll have to you. find it for you. That, but, that's awesome, man. Yeah, but in, in going to what, what you were saying, that one or two degrees of separation, to me, gives more relatability to the villain, and yes. that's a, something else that I really like about a good villain, is somebody who, sort of complex character, who isn't just like an evil machine, you know? To me, evil machines or aliens, somebody, some, some sort of antagonist, that doesn't have that human side to them, mm-hmm. I don't tend to get as involved with how awesome they are as a villain because it's just, frankly, it's, it's less interesting to me. Whereas you, if you see a villain like, like Darth Vader, who you know, later in the trilogy, you could see he's really struggling between, well, do I, go, you know, do I turn back to the light side with my son or do I keep on fighting for this emperor guy? Or, you know... You can see a struggle in the person. So that, to me, I love villains who have that human side of them. And you can see that they started as human at some point, and then they, they, they turned into you know, a hard-hearted um, person. with, with uh, you know. So it, the, the difference between the two characters, maybe the exact same misfortunate event happened to both of those characters, yeah. but it was how they dealt with it that yeah. was the decision of, okay, I'm going to deal with this by forgiveness or or um fortitude or strength overcoming this this stumbling block and the villain you know the same thing happens to this person but you know they decide to you know hold on to resentment and mm-hmm. anger and, and whatnot so which is why i was so pained by episodes one two and three uh, the prequels let's let's not even talk about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right we have a lot of other good stuff to talk about yeah. but if there was I, I almost wouldn't mind if that got remade. Yeah. Where I could yeah. really dive into, yeah. okay, how did Darth Vader, yeah. how did Darth Vader become Darth Vader? What yeah. actually happened? Because yeah. there was maybe five minutes devoted to that mm-hmm. to, in episode three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, to me, speaking of villains, like the one thing, the, like the, one of the biggest mistakes I didn't like about the first movie is that they killed off the villain. They killed off Darth Maul way Darth too Maul. soon. Yeah. It was... Although that was a great battle. It was, it was. But I would, I would love to have seen him come back with robot legs or something. You know. He uh, did, actually. In, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. In uh, the Star Wars... Okay, I haven't watched that. Yeah. But I'm talking about in the movies. Yeah. In the movies. For the people who, was, like me, who are not interested in the extended universe. Yeah, yeah I'm not... just want the big screen. I, I don't actually believe that he came back with robot legs, either. It no. wasn't in the movies, so... Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that could never happen. <laughs> yeah, no. He's just a normal Jedi. He could just... Normal Sith. He can lift things with his mind and choke people from far away. 
That's right. But yeah, but if you came back with robot legs, that'd be totally ridiculous. Gosh, come on. Uh, <laughs> not relatable at all. But tell me, uh, how do you relate to someone like the Joker? You say a good villain is someone that's relatable. Yeah, okay. But the Joker, mm-hmm. that's a tough one. That is. I, I don't know that the relatable part is the a necessity for a good villain. I'm not going to make that a, a dogmatic statement, but I noticed that when villains have that, I do tend to enjoy it. But with the Joker, to me, I think that uh, there are there is in some way a struggle in his mind. Like when it, you know, in the in the Christopher Nolan remake of the um, the that version of Joker, whenever you see him tell about how he got his scars, you know something weird and crazy and messed up happened, but maybe he's blocking it out. We don't really know because he tells a different story every time, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, for me, that's exactly what you said is the relatability of that. Because mm-hmm. each time, I just I didn't want her to think that I cared about the scars. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. you, you can feel and it, his it seems voice quavering a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, for that one little millisecond at least. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're going, oh, poor Joker. He yeah. cared about his wife, and you know that's something similar in Darth Vader where, where he goes. We can rule the galaxies, father and son. And yeah, you can yeah, hear yeah. the little bit of uh, yeah, yeah, quaver yeah. in the voice, like he really wants this to happen. Mm-hmm. And he's like begging his son, come, come give me a hug. Well, mm-hmm. then he, for yeah, a second, yeah, yeah. for a second, I, of course, I don't want Luke to join the dark side. Right. But for a second, I'm going, yeah, give your dad a hug. He loves you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, no, he's bad. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Joker. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's talking about the scars on his wife. And then he's talking about... His dad beating him. Dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, he's trying to defend his mom. Mm-hmm. Mom gets to the kitchen yeah, yeah, yeah. and tries to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> holy cow. Yeah. This is, yeah. I, I, I can see that there's the relatability. It's a scared child. He's yeah, a yeah, husband yeah. that loves his wife. Yeah. And, but it's, it, you know, he does lie about it. So that's the, the other thing. He is like, you liar. never really know. But in those moments, there is like a little bit of relatability. He doesn't know? play by the rules. No. Oh. Yeah, this is so fascinating. Yeah. Another guy that doesn't do that, doesn't play by the rules. Uh, the Chris Wal- Christoph Waltz character. Oh in, man, uh, that's in one of my yeah. that's one of my favorite introduction scenes. Again, he's a distortion of the protagonist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, take it. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I mean, I think that in that, um, he seems like a guy you can really relate to. Like. If it weren't for the fact that he goes around killing people, he seems like a really likable guy. You know? <laughs> he's debonair. He's suave. He's well right. red. He's yeah, 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 yeah. He's very, like, he's very gentle with people. Unless he's playing cat and mouse. Then all of his gentle actions are just... He drinks milk? Yeah, he's trying to make people nervous. And he knows he can do it. And he knows he can get away with it. He's got a <laughs> pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and folks, Jesse Lee may or may not have a pipe very similar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, he, to me, um, he gives a whole discourse, you know, which I'm not going to say it's a good discourse, but, you know, why he's looking for Jews. You know, in, in, um, in this movie, he talks about, uh, he's giving a, sort of parallel to rodents and rats versus squirrels and, and different types of rodents and things like that. And he asks even one of the guys who's hiding a Jewish family, well, can you see that, like, there's just some reason? You know, you know, he gets you to almost relate to his point of view as a Nazi. I'm not saying it's good, mm-hmm. but... Well, you see where he's coming from. Yeah, he, you see, like, where his logic is is flowing from. And is that where you relate to him? Like, in that... 
no, I'm not. I'm not saying that I. You can tell that he's trying to get people to relate to him. Yeah. And I think he does a very good job. Of yeah. Um, For me, I think the most relatable part of that is where he attacks the German actress. Right. Yeah. Uh, for him, I mean, it's it's. Uh, um, you can see a little bit of his his love for his country. I mean, it's twisted and bent, but mm-hmm. it's still like, oh, this traitor. She's mm-hmm. actually, yeah, 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 yeah. She's actually German. She speaks with a German accent right. yeah. and responds to in, in English. She's mm-hmm. not an American. She's not serving her country. Right. And he he has some of that righteous anger and indignation mm-hmm. and just flies at her. And mm-hmm. not that we're, I'm condoning that, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if there was someone who spoke with a spoke. I guess I couldn't say that because I don't know how to speak German. But <laughs> if I spoke German to someone and they spoke with an American accent and mm-hmm. they were a German spy, right. I would be pretty angry also. Right, 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 right. Yeah, what, uh, I want to hear what you, you said. You think that he's a good distortion of the protagonist. I want to hear what you have to say about that. Are you talking about specifically Brad Pitt? or? Yeah, no, definitely Brad Pitt. Because there's a few different protagonists in there that kind of follows. Yeah, no, well, that's kind of an interesting case because Brad Pitt's kind of a distortion of a protagonist. Bonjour <laughs> 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 now. What, a, what bon- a great actor. Oh, man, I love his role in that movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's the, actually the biggest problem that I have with that movie is that, and I love the movie, but... There's not someone that I can really latch on to. Is like, okay, that protagonist, he's right. He's he's the good guy. Right, 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 right. Because I can't really say that about Waldo Reigns, about about mm. about Brad Pitt's character. Right. He's right, right, right. he's the Nazi killer. He loves bashing their brains in. I uh-huh. mean, he's incredibly <laughs> cool while he's doing it. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. Yeah, hey, but- when he's when he's in the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 theater. Mm-hmm. Trying oh, yeah, to pass yeah. off as the Italian. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. I love that. Twin Tarantino yeah. did a great job. Yeah, totally. But I think I think they're both a distortion of the protagonist almost. And and mm. Christoph Waltz just happens to be on the wrong side. But they're definitely, like John was saying, two twigs of the same branch. Right. right where right, right. they're they're pointed the same. So direction. who do you consider the protagonist in that movie? I wouldn't even know who to. So the the French girl. Even she is pretty much on the same lines as well. You mm-hmm. know, she burns down the theater, killing mm-hmm. everybody, yeah. including herself. That's true. Um, yeah. That's a, such an interesting movie because there is a, an example. Most of my um, complaints about um, movies when it comes to villains is that, like, you have this protagonist, but there's not a good enough villain to give them, like, an antithetical viewpoint mm-hmm. and have, like, a good battle. But mm-hmm. in this movie, it's interesting because you have a really great villain and there's not a single protagonist that, you know... It's more about all these people versus this one guy is, is kind of how it seems yeah. to me. You know, something that I have... And I, I love The Dark Knight. I mm-hmm. love Nolan's The Dark Knight. But I think that that's also an example of a great antagonist with a protagonist that's not quite up to snuff mm. to equal to the to the antagonist. The Joker is clearly defined with his wants and needs. He's incredibly consistent. He has a, a consistent philosophy to back him up. Mm-hmm. It's basically, basically Nietzsche yeah, the model. Yeah, Nietzsche, he's, yeah. the, he's the Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really understand why 
the Batman's doing all the things that the Batman does. Sure, he's, his parents were killed, but why does he keep on going when Rachel's dead, when everyone's hunting him? Mm-hmm. All we know is because he can take it. Mm-hmm. And because it, Commissioner Gordon says it so convincingly, mm-hmm. I believe it. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm wondering, you know, why he does it, I, I, I'm not sure I can quite answer that. Yeah. Well, and I think... To me, it might not explain it in that movie. Whereas if you back up to the first one, he just has a conviction about, you know, when he's going up against the mob boss, he almost, he was, he almost joined in with, with what was going on. He wanted to go assassinate the guy who killed his parents. And he, he wanted to just join into that. But I think in the first movie is where you get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in the first movie is where you get that defining characteristic of Batman in it. He really wants to try to be as virtuous as he can. You know, mm-hmm. He's not going to kill people needlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, I think backing up to the first—that's why I think those two movies go together so well—is mm-hmm. because, yeah, you're right. That you don't really get that explanation in the second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But knowing that about him in the first movie, where he's—he just at a certain point he felt very convicted to, you know, when he was supposed to go assassinate the guy who um, uh, who stole, and he, you know, he's trying to tell him, he's like, this guy deserves a fair trial, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so, if, you know, you, you see that he does have that. Now, the timeline's broken up in that movie because there's flashbacks and, sure. you know, things like that. So you don't get exactly when he found that, you know, that, um, you know, probably when he was slapped by Rachel. But you can see that by the time he gets into the ninja boot camp, he's got clearly defined morals. And he's like, no, I, we have to give this man a trial. Otherwise, we're no better than them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, could, I can see where that's coming from. I feel like. If we had brought it up a little more in the Dark Knight, it would have perhaps made Batman stronger. Mm. If we had referred back to it or just okay. showed where he's bringing his, his strength from. I can see that. But at yeah. the same time, it was, it's masterfully done. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would not mess with a, a, a film that well done. Mm-hmm. I think an example of something that, at least to my mind, does it perfectly is something like The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Where, for me, the distortion of the protagonist is Gollum. Mm-hmm. He is that shadow figure to Frodo. Yeah. And so... Oh, yeah. Frodo and Sam, they're, they're, yeah. they're, the, they're definitely the, the perfect sort of, like, like John was saying, that they're two different twigs on the same branch, mm-hmm. and, and you got the evil twisted Gollum, who's mm-hmm. like showing, oh, this is who you could be. Mm-hmm. One little step, you grab that ring and you become that person. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're always seeing how Frodo and Sam are having to, to refer back and saying, okay, why do we still keep going? Yeah. Why do we still keep going? Right. And right. Sam is always going... Do you remember the Shire? Yeah, Do you yeah, remember yeah. the taste of yeah. strawberries and mushrooms yeah. and the sound of running water and rosy cotton laughing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that you can see why they have that strength to keep, keep pushing on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Gollum is, is just fascinating to me as, again, that's, uh, like you were saying with Chesterton, there's only one way to stand up straight and you're mm-hmm. always walking to the edge of the knife. Heck, yeah. I think Tolkien had a, a line like that similar to how... The, the quest is walking on the edge of a knife. Oh, yeah. You step and you're going to fall into oblivion. Absolutely. Yeah. So these guys got it. Yeah. The whole villain thing. Yeah. Even within Gollum himself, there's a relatability because you see there's even a protagonist and antagonist within Gollum himself and that, you know, Smeagol sometimes manifests and then Gollum, you know, will take over. You know, mm-hmm. he has sort of a dual per- personality. There's a huge amount of relatability. Oh, yeah. Totally. And just in case we didn't relate to him at the beginning in the two towers old P- peter jackson decides to give us a flashback in the mm-hmm. beginning of the lord of the ring yeah. uh, of the return of the king oh yeah 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 and you know he's just a cute little andy circus running around fishing with worms and yeah 
And you're like, and then he freaking murders a guy. And then you're like, holy <laughs> cow, this got intense. Yeah, yeah. It just got real. It just got real. <laughs> so it's it's incredibly well done. Yeah. You know, I think another little uh, good example of a distortion of the protagonist as a villain uh, could be seen in Full Metal Alchemist. Oh yeah. Oh man. I don't want to give too many spoilers away on this one, but in so many ways between because the two main characters of the um, the boys. Uh, Edward and Alphonse Elric and you see how they um, are battling these guys called the homunculi which I won't give away how but turns out they're very you know very closely like you said they're twigs from the same branch they're very closely related and then the father of the two boys also has an antagonist um, who is actually called father in this um, who is um, very much directly diametrically opposed to, to him so in so many characters in so many cases in this uh, and don't get me wrong there's a lot of complex characters who you know you're you can relate to them they're kind of flip-flopping a lot because they're against some people but they're sided with other people it's a very messy kind of thing there's no there's not always clear-cut lines but in terms of the main protagonist and the main villains yeah i think that you're absolutely right yeah in fact you could see how, like, to me, Alphonse is a great example of somebody who's very steadfast in his morals. He, throughout the entire series, he's constantly, like, really trying to keep his promises that he made to his brother, you know? And he strives with the, like, the best of his ability to be as virtuous as he can. He's, it's, and then, it's so moving. Yeah, it really is. And then you see the homunculi who, they have names of the seven deadly sins, which is the exact opposite of virtue, you know? So in that way, you could see a diametric opposition to the, the, you know, the main characters. They're trying to be as virtuous as they can. And here they are, their counterparts literally just have the names of, yeah, there's greed and there's uh, gluttony and there's lust and there's envy and, you know, all these, you know, wrath. wrath. Yeah. So, Who's um, always smiling. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. Um, but that, to me, wrath is a kick-ass villain. He's off. Awesome. He's so... So good as a villain. Um, yeah, if any of you haven't checked out Full Metal Alchemist, 26 episodes. It's a short series. Just go watch it. It's amazing. It's a little more than 26. But Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. A little more than 26. It's less than 100. So yes. you're not talking multiple, multiple seasons. You can get through it in a few weeks. So if you've been <laughs> watch, like I did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> All cards on the table. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been eating a lot of donuts. <laughs> lately when I binge watch these things. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's, let's move on to some other topics. What, what, what makes a bad villain? How, why, like, for example, um, we talked about Suicide Squad. We talked about Dawn of Justice. Lack of motivation. Lack of, I mean, not, I mean to me, not caring about them. This, can I bring up uh, Shredder at this point? Yes. Okay. So, to me, um, I loved the original 1980s version. The first, not the, the second or third. I, I can't remember the second as much, but the first uh, live-action Ninja Turtles movie made, where you have um, Shredder, who is diametrically opposed to Splinter. Mm -hmm. And they both portray father characters, but Splinter is a merciful father, and Shredder is a slave driver. And um, he even uses the term in there, you know, um, I am your father. You know, and, and that's, it goes directly against, you know, when Splinter's listening to this little teenage boy teenage boy says, oh, I don't want to talk to my dad. He doesn't even care about me. 
And um, Splinter goes, I doubt that. And he's like, why? And he goes, because all fathers love their sons, you know. But then you see, yeah, yeah, yeah. you see uh, how that's clearly present whenever he's talking to his little turtles. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you see Shredder, you know, he's calling himself father and he makes it seem in his opening scene. By the way, the opening scene is freaking amazing when he walks in. It just shows his shadow for probably a good 10 or 20 seconds as he's just marching into this room. It's very mysterious. You don't see his face for a long time. But again, like Darth Vader, you know what he's about because he's, yeah, he's really mean looking. Uh, there's mystery there. You know his purpose. And when he goes into his speech, he's saying, I am your father. And he makes it seem like he's giving them a home and, a, a, you know, he's trying to be merciful. But he's leading them into crime and all these sorts of things. And, um, and then when you see him deal with them later in the movie, when one of them pisses him off, you know, he doesn't hesitate to really be harsh with, with them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in a, in a very sadistic and, like I said, slave driver sort of way, evil sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as, as opposed to the Joker is depicted by Michael Bay <laughs> in the new, um, yeah, man, I think in the new version of the Ninja Turtles, the second one just came out. I haven't seen it. But the first one, I regrettably went and watched it. And I was Shredder there. He was terrible. He had maybe, I think, three lines, and none of them were memorable. Um, there was another... Um, yeah, yeah. He was more at the forefront for another villain behind who didn't have good motivation. Um, yeah, so I think that would be what, what makes a good villain as opposed to what makes a bad villain. Looking at those two Shredders, there's a definite motivation in the Shredder in the old mm-hmm. uh, movies. And in this one, um, the main villain, who's, he's sort of a hired, you know, he's, to me, Shredder's more of a bodyguard in this, mm-hmm. in the Michael Bay de- depiction. Um, he is, uh, he has a lot less purposefulness, you know, and his, his motivations are, he's protecting a guy who you don't really ever find out why he's protecting this guy. But this guy's, you know, uh, um, some sort of, chemical or doc, a chemical engineer or biologist or something that's, you know, uh, th- to me, I, I can't even tell you why the, the plot was very muddled. So I can't give you why it's a bad villain because there's, there's, there's no concrete footing that the villain stands on for me to give you a reason why he's bad, which is why he's bad. <laughs> you, you know that I, I didn't see those, the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. but what you're saying is actually a dead ringer for why the Joker in the Suicide Squad was so forgettable. Oh, totally. Compared to totally. the Joker in Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. That was, in the Suicide Squad, I mean, like we said already, in, in the Dark Knight, oh, amazing. We already yeah. said how yeah. amazing the Joker was. But in Suicide Squad, the Joker just runs around in a couple of scenes and seems to be interested in getting Harley out. Mm-hmm. And really the only reason why he seems to be interested in getting Harley out is because he kind of growls when he sees her in a pleasurable way. Like, that's, yeah. like there's really... Yeah. I mean, he throws her into acid vats and he... Yeah, I don't know what shocks that was all about. He shocks her with, uh, like, I'm going to hurt you really, really bad. Yeah. And he, like, he's just kind of a whiny little thing that's lost yeah. his toys and, mm-hmm. well... I guess he'll kind of go get it, maybe. Yeah. And he sends texts with smiley faces. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, the Joker would never do that. <laughs> it's it it was it was 
granted, so disappointing. It was. He is, yeah. Granted, he wasn't the antagonist in this movie. But the antagonist in this movie, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't. I just don't understand why the antagonist was the antagonist. Mm-hmm. There was no purpose for them to be in the situation that they were. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, again, spoiler alert, you see this big swirling thing, and it's like, oh, they're trying to take over the world. And they never explained what it was all about. Nope. Like, you see uh, material matter getting torn up in this thing, but it doesn't... Yeah, DC just, needs to figure this out. This yeah. is two movies that are really similar to themselves. Yeah. In which... Yeah, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. And yeah, in which there's gray-swirling ma- masses of trash in the sky. Yeah. And you don't know why or where or how, and there's the, the, antagon- the, the antagonists are weak and mm-hmm. not explained, and you can't relate to them. Yeah. It's, it, I love DC comics. Yeah. Like, they are some of the best out there, mm-hmm. but... Come on, guys. Yeah, seriously. Maybe because Marvel had swirling trash in the sky and it worked for them. So Disney's <laughs> like, shit, we got to put swirling trash in the sky in our movies, otherwise we're not going to make money. No, and sorry, I just cussed. Until um, they get his trash. That's it. Um, we can edit that out post-production. <laughs> and still we probably won't do that. You're probably, <laughs> James is going to leave that in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, to me, uh, going to, to Superman, Lex Luthor, okay, this is coming from a guy who has never been into the Superman comics. Mm-hmm. But I love to watch movies, mm-hmm. so I wanted to go see an entertaining movie about a hero. Um, so when I watched Batman versus Superman, to me, I don't, I don't, because I wasn't into the comics, I don't know about Lex Luthor. Like I don't know what his history is. I don't know why he's against Superman or Batman. Mm-hmm. And this movie just did not explain it. Mm-hmm. I have to this day, after seeing that movie, I don't know what his motivations were. Mm-hmm. You know. And then he created another Kryptonian monster who apparently is a famous Superman villain, which I didn't know. Um, and I didn't... But again, yeah. not well defined. Yeah, yeah. I so he's not yeah, really exactly. a villain. Yeah, so all of the antagonists in that film, um, I, I just didn't know who was... I. I yeah, purposelessness. That's what I would narrow it down to in those. And there's also a, another uh, uh, characteristic of a poor villain or a weak villain is the kind of the flavor of the weak. Ah, of, yeah, yeah, that's where, right. Where it's like there's, oh, it's the hacker. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the hacker villain because South or North Korea just mm-hmm. hacked Sony, and mm-hmm. so we're going to have a bunch of hackers. Or, they're, you know, it's the terrorists. They're going to go out and they're some kind of religious extremist or right-wing extremist sort of thing, so they're going to be terrorists, so we throw a terrorist in there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when Enron fell, they were all crooked CEOs. Like, for example, Fox's Fantastic Four, uh, close to the time where Enron was going down, they came out with a Fantastic Four movie in which Doctor Doom was a crooked CEO. Mm-hmm. And then, last year, they came out with a Fantastic Four in which Doctor Doom was a hacker. <laughs> it's, it's, okay, guys, just Doctor Doom <laughs> is one of the most iconic comic book villains ever. He is up. He inspired Darth Vader. No really? joke. Yeah, I didn't they, know that. they took a lot of the 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 store backstory of Doctor Doom and the the cues from his wardrobe, and they put it into Darth Vader. That's how cool Doctor Doom is. Wow. So I didn't know that. I was never into these comics, yeah, so, so feel free to rant for a little bit. Fox yep. is sitting on one of the best of all time comic book heroes and... Villains? A comic book villains who is also walking that line also, by the way. He kind of... He, he's definitely like a Darth Vader sort of thing. Can be good and kind of falls to bad and then kind mm-hmm. of falls back to good. It's just 
it's an incredible storyline, and and you you keep on getting it ruined by this flavor of the week. Yeah, which yeah. really oh, gets me. I yeah. want to see Doctor Doom mm-hmm. in there. There's yeah, there's yeah. so many there's so many good storylines to be had. That's, that's very true. That's very true. I feel like we're running out of time, but I wonder, Jesse, is there any other villains that you would like to see done better besides Shredder? Ah, man. Let's see. Um, let's. Who would I want to see? Uh, you Are you talking about, about um, uh, there was that a couple of guys that were. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, I can I can talk about Lemis another time. Well, are you? Wait, let me ask you. Are you asking? Um, Villains that I want to see redone better, or villains or that are maybe comic books that I haven't seen in movie literature form. Literature, okay. Yeah, like, I guess I could talk a little bit about Les Mis. Les Mis, to me, um, this gets into different territory than what we've been talking about: man versus other man, or yeah. man versus villain. Um, to me, in the book, it's not as clearly depicted in the movie, and I'll give the movie credit because if they wrote, if they filmed everything that was in the book, it would be. Uh, like a mini series, which actually I think that would be a really great thing to do with Les Mis. That would be the only way you could get all those rich kind of details. Like an HBO sort of. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, like a nine episode arc or right, something. Right, right. I think that would be amazing if they did that with Les Mis. Uh, I, I would wait to see that. Um, but we'll get on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James is a filmmaker. I'm commissioning him right now. Um, <laughs> I will fund you with huh? the four dollars in my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on my list. <laughs> No, so, but in the movie, it makes it seem like Javert is the villain. Um, when technically, Javert is only doing his job. You know, he hasn't done anything illegal. Mm-hmm. He's not out to kill Jean Valjean, but he's a depiction of God's justice minus the mercy. So yeah. he's all justice. So, um, which can make for a good villain. But, and then you, you see a little bit less of this in the movie with Thenardier. Um, Tenardier in the movie being played by Sasha Cohen to me seems like kind of an idiot um, and sort of like a you know he's he's like a swindler which yes he is those you know that in the book but in the book he's a lot more vicious he's very much out to get Jean Valjean in a very concrete way and I didn't see that much in the movie no he wasn't smart enough to actually be out to get anybody right 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 in the book both of these characters are are, um, very well developed as as people who are, yes, technically antagonists in that they are against Jean Valjean. But to me, Jean Valjean's biggest obstacle is himself. And you see this at multiple points in the book when Victor Hugo is describing um, conflicts that Jean Valjean is in the most overwhelmingly large conflicts that Jean Valjean is ever in are the ones where he's battling his own... um, like the own, uh, his own demons, mm-hmm. basically. He's trying to decide between virtue and vice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he'll, Victor Hugo might go on for, you know, ten pages just going over all these little thoughts that Jean Valjean is having of like, well, should I do this? Would this be the better thing to do? No, 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 I don't want to do that because then that would be selfish. Or, you know, and, and sh- exposing all these little areas where Jean Valjean is really trying to be honest with himself. Mm-hmm. And be brute—I would say brutally honest with himself—and like honestly choose the the righteous, virtuous path. Uh, those, to me, that's the biggest struggle in the book. Um, and I think that's a really good example of what a truly great vin- villain does, mm-hmm. which is even if it's even if it's Doctor Doom or Darth Vader or Gollum, 
or it's someone, you know, a story about the villain is someone fighting the darker parts of themselves their whole time, um, showing us as the audience how we can fight the darker parts of ourselves mm-hmm. in, you know, oh, yeah. in our daily life mm-hmm. and become a better person. Right. Um, and sure, that might be didactic for some, overly didactic. <laughs> but Good word. <laughs> but it's, it, it, you know, the, the purpose of, of storytell- storytelling to begin with was to make a point. Right. And mm-hmm. good villains make great points. Yeah, that's true. So what have we learned here, folks? If anyone from DC is listening, get some better damn villains in your movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, mm. yeah. there's a lot to be had. In there DC is, comics. there is. And, and, you know, Dr. Doom, I, I still say, oh, please, let's get Dr. Doom mm-hmm. his due. Right, yeah. I don't know who I would, you had asked who I might want to see, um, Depicted. Well, you kind of answered it. Lay Miz, uh, let's let's show Jean Valjean. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be great. And Lay Miz as, Uh you know, battling his own demons. Mm -hmm. I think that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we're pretty much out of time. Actually, we went way over. Oh, did we? Oh, sorry, folks. But we had a great time, and I hope you guys did did also. So, uh, I'm James Bineau. And I'm Jesse Lee Yarbrough. And we'll catch you next time on Poets and Lunatics. (laughs) 